site. Okay, so I'll do this. The Westport Library and the Quick Center for the Arts presents Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast with me, Migs Burroughs. And I'm Trace Burroughs. And today uh, we're very excited to have on the show Aruba Red, uh, also known as Natasha Bruce, the daughter of the legendary musician Jack Bruce, who's a, a fantastic uh, musician, songwriter, and singer in her own right, uh, which I just discovered recently. Um, I'm just uh, talk about that for a second and we'll get into to everything else. Um, so on Facebook, I don't know the last, this month I got all into cream again for some reason. And Facebook was sending me all these documentaries about Jack Bruce and specifically about him, but it was anything that had to do with cream, Eric Clapton. And so all of a sudden I see a video and it says that it's Jack Bruce's daughter. And I didn't even know, you know, I didn't know, knew nothing about his family, that he, that he had children. And I said, wow, I got to listen to this. And, um, and so I played uh, We're Going Wrong. And um, I was blown away by your, your voice and the sensitivity of the whole thing. Um, and so that's how I discovered you. And I said, oh, I got to ask her if she'll come on the show. <laughs> that's so nice. Finding feeling doing some positive ad targeting, I guess, or something. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Those algorithms are working for me. Um, so, uh, God, we have a lot of questions. Um, you've got a new out. Your new album's coming out in March, right? Yeah. So this is a live album, which is coming out on March the 11th, which is the one-year anniversary of when it was recorded. So that was like our last proper full band gig before the first lockdown. Um, yeah, back in March, 2020. So yeah, we, luckily we had that, that gig recorded, um, not knowing that it would be the last gig for quite some time. So how would you describe um, your style of singing? I make alternative soul music inspired by the themes of healing and transformation that's how I describe it um I'm very inspired by a whole host of musicians and artists I would say vocally Erica Badu is one of my biggest inspirations I also love the storytelling of Cat Stevens Yusuf Islam and Bob Dylan um I just I love I love so many different kinds of music anything that really tells a story and you know, can transport me to another place I love. So I read reading up on, you know, all about you. Um, so you, you were, I don't know how, when you started, I knew you were poetry as a, as a kid and then you got into music. And then at one point, I guess when your dad was ailing um, and you had some issues in your own life, you took a break from singing. Do you want to talk about that a yeah, little bit? So I was doing music for a long time and and um, I was so passionate about it and I was doing the whole, you know, the, the open mic circuit and then just gigging around and doing the festivals throughout, you know, throughout the UK and I got some really great support slots and it was going, it was going well and um, the passion was just for, yeah, it came from poetry initially, like writing lyrics and then it grew to, um, meeting with different you know musicians how it happens it just evolves and the first time I think I really thought oh I could actually take this seriously and do it for real is 
when I was um, scouted by the really inspiring composer Nitin Sawney and he asked me to join on this um, young person's kind of composition week um, celebrating the reopening of the Royal Festival Hall in London and he got together like I don't know how many of us it was maybe 16 different young people from all different um, backgrounds and like we had guitarists and drummers and poets and rappers and all these yeah all amazing innovative um, people and we had like a week to write all new material together with all of these people that we'd never met before to perform in front of 2000 people at this <laughs> <laughs> at this huge reopening and and that really um inspired me and I was like wow I would, I would love to really do this because I think I'd always grown up obviously seeing seeing my dad um performing and touring with him and being fortunate enough to meet so many incredible musicians but I think for myself I'd always just done it because I love to do it but I didn't really think I could make a living out of this or this is something that I could really pursue so I was always working like regular jobs on the side and just doing music for fun and then that was when I really thought oh actually I, I would rather not go back into my my regular job I would love to try and make this work and then things were going well and then yeah I did get into a really difficult situation like fast forward a few years um I was in a very difficult relationship with my ex-husband who was also my manager and to cut a long story short I was effectively coerced to stop making music for about four years and that was that was really hard there was like a lot of issues with with gambling addiction and general kind of toxicity. And it was just a very difficult relationship. Um, and I managed to get out of that after I was with him for 10 years and I managed to get out of that. But within within yeah the last four years of that time, um, my dad got really sick. He had been struggling with his health for a long time, but then it got really serious and it became apparent that, you know, we knew he wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna make it for that much longer. Um, and I think he was given like six months to live and then decided to check out within the week. It was like, he really made that, I feel like he really made that decision. He didn't want to like hang around for this yeah. long kind of demise. And um, however difficult that was and sad, it was also, it felt quite empowering. Like he, he decided he wanted to stay at home. He didn't want to go back to hospital. He didn't want to be resuscitated. He kind of was very clear about that. And we really had the opportunity, um, my family, to to stay at home with him and really care for him and help him cross over in those final days. And we were all around his bed when he passed away. And that was just a really powerful moment for me. And then a few months later, um, I got pregnant with my first child and I had my little boy the following year. And, um, and again, that was like an another seed of this like kind of awakening and just like really knowing that I deep down that I had to get out of the situation that I was in and then when my little boy was eight months old the relationship with my ex and myself finally um fully like he left when my son was eight months old which in in hindsight was difficult but it was kind of the biggest gift and then after that I managed to find my way back to music and um it's been really incredible that my son is nearly, he's, he's just turned five on Christmas day, he turned five. And um, yeah, the last, I would say three years or so have been 
really just coming back to music and creating again and um it's been such a wonderful experience to feel so free and to be able to do that and yeah I'm just really really thankful that that I'm back doing what I love <laughs> I just want to ask is your son does he co-star in, in hold the holy water video is that your son yeah yeah that's my son yeah, yeah. a beautiful young man boy <laughs> 500 nights I've spent with you on interrupted power from our moon to seven three days in my holy waters do you recall the sound of creation calling the fells that fallen I'm moving through up leveling as a result of the love I have for you. You, you know, I am your chosen one. Yeah, a beautiful video. But well, why don't right off the bat just say your website so people can know where to look, hear some of your music? And yeah, sure. So, yeah, I use the name Aruba Red. So, Aruba Red was a legendary female pirate who sailed the seas several hundred years ago. And um, it's Aruba like the island and red like the color, arubaredmusic.com. That's where you can find out all about me. Now, I have, a, I have one question. You know, we're all reading about any band, but Cream especially and between Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker, the fighting was just legendary. The bickering, the fighting, the yelling, the, the conflicts that, so, and you're a witness to that as a young girl did that not, how did that not discourage you from being a musician? It must have seemed so, so I don't know, to me it would be intimidating. Like, is that the life I want to live with all this yelling and screaming? I mean, or is that just something you were adapted to? It's interesting because I, I never really made the connection between that being anything to do with the music. Oh, okay. I mean, obviously, I like Cream was before my time, but then Ginger and my dad did get together for many bands during my childhood. So they played together for um, various concerts and then got together for BBM. And that was like, yeah, that was a big part of my childhood, the BBM kind of era, because we were really able to witness all of that, which was, you know, incredible band with, with Gary Moore. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, all three of them sadly no longer with us, but um, yeah, like the fights, it was intense and it was, they did really have this love-hate relationship though. It, I, I know that things can be portrayed as if it was just hate, but there was also, I think it's almost like, you know, brothers or something, like when they can really fight, but there's also that love there as well. And um, yeah, I, I think when they were actually playing together, it really, you know, was very it, magical. They really connected. Yeah, they had that, well, yeah. Jack was a real incredible jazz I saw those videos of him early on playing jazz, like really intense on a yeah. bass fiddle, you know, and Jack, and I guess Ginger was playing in those scenes as well. So they had that background together as well. And they were both in the Grand Bond organization, right? Yeah, they were in Grand Bond together. And I mean, the fighting started from all accounts back then. And my dad would tell me stories of Ginger pulling a knife on him. And oh, geez. I, know, I know from myself, you know, my own experience that Ginger was never an easy guy to be around. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. When I, when I first, my first memory of Ginger, I was, I think my dad was in San Francisco, possibly. I don't know where we were, somewhere. And um, I was maybe 
around seven, maybe six years old. And my sister was maybe four and we were like getting onto the bus. Like, I don't know if it was the tour bus or the band, just some bus that we were going, getting on. And Ginger had his feet kind of across the aisle. And I was just like, excuse me. <laughs> just looked at me and my sister and was just like, I fucking hate kids. Oh, oh. <laughs> and even though that sounds like scary, that's always been like a fun kind of story to share. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Because he was almost like, he was a very, he was like a caricature of himself, if you know what I mean. And um, yeah, like, I guess sometimes the most talented people aren't always the easiest people and that is kind of comes with it. But I didn't ever make that connection with, with music because equally there were so many wonderful and kind um, people that I met through my dad. And um, I guess musicians, yeah, they're just a reflection of, of, of wider society, I well, guess. Well, passion, I guess it's, it's just yeah. passion coming out in a different way, right? So, so of all you know, musicians you've met, of your friends of your dad, who, who, do you, who, do you, who do you like the best? Or can't, you know, I don't know if that's a bad question. <laughs> I mean, there's so many, but I would say um, my favorite band from my childhood was when he was with um, Jack Bruce and the Quicoland Express. Uh -huh. So that was like his, it was like an Afro-Cuban Latin jazz band. And it was, it was just incredible. And Vernon Reed from Living Colour was on guitar and he's still a very close family friend. And, you know, we send each other messages and we talk on Twitter. And, and then also um, he just had an incredible rhythm section in that band. So um, there was Robbie Armin on drums and um, Horatio Negro Hernandez on drums and then also Richie Flores on percussion and Richie's like a, a dear friend. They're all, they're all really, really wonderful guys. And, um, and then also sadly no longer with us, Bernie Worrell on keys, who was always like our uncle Bernie. So Parliament you know, <laughs> Funkadelic and really legendary, legendary. So, so when you, your dad was alive when you started getting into music, was he supportive? what you were doing yeah he was very supportive really so i remember he was supportive but also critical like in a he, my dad was all about the music so when i first i remember when i first started writing songs and i guess because of the era that i was coming up in and the, the kind of friends that i was around like the way that we would write songs initially was um we would send each other like beats we would send each other like in like tracks and everyone would write lyrics over them and my dad was like this isn't this isn't a song <laughs> <laughs> he was very much about like you know the structure and the composition Old school, yeah. trained, you know don't get me wrong he also loved he loved like hip-hop and all different kinds of music but at the same time he was quite um yeah he was always honest he wouldn't just say yeah this is great because you happen to be his kid like he would always be honest but he was also very very supportive and yeah, when I had that first gig with Nitin Sawney, he was, my dad was a big fan of Nitin's and he came down and he was like, that was a really nice moment because Nitin had always grown up listening to Cream and really was inspired by my dad's music. And then my dad was aware of Nitin's work and they they had a nice kind of moment together. Um, and then Nitin ended up um, musically directing my father's tribute concert after he passed away. Oh yeah, so, I was just gonna ask you about that. Yeah, yeah talk, talk about that a little bit, the tribute concert. The tribute concert, so we, we when my dad died, my mum knew um, quite soon afterwards that she wanted to put on an event to honour honor his memory. And um, 
I remember her just kind of really coming up with the idea that she really wanted to do something really special. And we discussed the Royal Albert Hall and um, the Roundhouse and these different kind of iconic venues in London. And she really asked me to, um, yeah, come on board to help to produce this, this show. And then I got in touch with Nitin because I just felt like I really needed somebody who could hold the magnitude of something like this that we were gonna put together. I needed to know that there was someone there who musically really understood the diversity of what my dad had achieved and just all the different genres and styles. And I didn't want it to be just like too much classic rock or just jazz or just blues. It had to be everything, you know? And I knew that Nitin was able to achieve that. So I was so happy when he said yes. And then it was just kind of full steam ahead for a whole year, just organizing that. And it was, it was quite a feat. Like we had 36 different musicians perform um, songs th from throughout my dad's um, career, like all the different periods from the Graham Bond organization right up to his final album, Silver Rails. And um, it was a really, really wonderful, yeah, wonderful night. And we raised a lot of money for the local children's hospice that my dad supported during his lifetime. And um, it was very emotional, but I really felt his spirit in the room that night. And by the time the concert came around, I was, I was like seven months pregnant with my with my son, um, and I got to sing on you know on the mm. stage around house. It was it was just a very special special yeah, night. Nice. Yeah. yeah, and we had some incredible people play. We had Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull and Ginger was there. I got to sing with Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> experience. Um, we had Mark King from Level Forty Two and Vernon Reed flew over from New York and and performed and um yeah just a whole host of incredible we had Joss Stone singing it was just an amazing amazing night yeah so you're coming out there you all unless you've already started I think you did start a week or so ago the seven part online series yeah so the third installment is coming out tomorrow What's um, that so we recorded the, my last well my last yeah the last proper show which was also my first headline gig on the 11th of March 2020 and we filmed it as well and then when lockdown happened um we realized that there's not going to be any gigs for quite some time so I just really wanted to create something that would um bring some life from that concert into into people's you know homes while they're kind of not able to go to shows and stuff so what we've done is we've created this seven part mini documentary series called the inspiration behind the tracks and each episode really delves into the meaning behind one of the songs that was performed that night so we 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 dive into seven seven songs throughout the series and it's a mixture of music and discussion and um you know nice footage from the gig and other moments throughout my career and then um i do quite a lot of wellness work with that guided meditations and things like that so at the end of each series we leave everybody with some really positive and uplifting affirmations and um yeah so there's seven weeks of that and then that will lead up to the release of the live album on the 11th of march which is the one year anniversary of the show which i can't believe yeah a year like so much has happened it feels like a different lifetime but then at the same time it also feels like it's gone quite fast right yeah I'm not a musician, but I'm curious, and Trace is, but I'm not, but I, I, you know, I listen to music, love music, but 
the songwriting process, I mean, I've heard, I'm curious because I've heard all different. Do you, some musicians say they receive a song, they're channeling a song, or do you decide to write a song tonight? And then if you do, where do you go? And what is your like little, do you have a songwriting space that you go to, you know, that, that, that lets it happen? Or do you feel you're channeling? I really feel like I'm channeling, like the channeling thing for me, like sometimes all of the lyrics and all of the melody will just like be there. And mm. there's not much that I have to do. It's more about just capturing it. So whether that's quickly recording it into the voice notes in my phone or writing the lyrics down and just repeating the melody so many times in my head so that I hope I don't forget <laughs> it. Um, and then, and then there's other times, like there's a mixture of the two. And then there's other times when, if I'm, you know, booked in to go to the studio with with some of my co-writers, then obviously you have to be able to tap into that space, like on demand, um, which can sometimes be tricky. But I think if you're in the with the right people and you feel comfortable, and um, what I have is I have my lyric book where I just always write ideas. So it could be, I want to write a song about this topic one day, but I it hasn't come to me yet, but I just know that at one point, like this subject I want to write about, or it might just be like one line or a little hook or just a melody or something. And then when I go into the studio, I have like all of these things in progress that I can call on and, and try and invoke like the, the channeling to happen um, more deeply in that moment. So I guess everyone, yeah, many people have different ways. And for me, like just listening to my musician friends, um, just messing around on their instruments will always inspire something to to kind of come through and um i just love the experience like the the time that we create the music is definitely my happy place more so than the releasing of it i think like that's definitely where i'm like the most content is when i'm just like in the studio or yeah wherever i am um creating um, yeah, so there's a few studios near where I live in London that, that we usually go to. I've got my brother-in-law studio down the road in Tottenham where my sister lives. And then I have um, Renelle Shaw's home studio who's, who's producing my new album. He's recently been awarded an Ivan Novello Award for best jazz composition for a really um, wonderful project that he put together called the, the Windrush Suite, which um, is incredible. And then also my other co-writer and producer, Camilo Torado, has a studio as well, very close by. So those are like the three main places that I will go um, to collaborate and to, to create the music. And if it's not that, it's just my bedroom, you know, just letting ideas come. <laughs> yeah. So you have a lot of co-writers co that collaborate with you. They, 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 do they help out with the lyrics or it's just the music part or...? Mainly just the music. I, I wrote all of my lyrics myself up until quite recently, but with the most recent album, Ronelle and me have, like I'm getting more comfortable with like taking on board suggestions and um, bouncing back off, you know, off with each other. So that's like, that's a nice experience to really, really collaborate and I'm getting more involved with the music as well. So yeah, I would say like primarily like, you know, 99% of the lyrics are mine, but sometimes we will, I'm open to, I'm always open to um, my co-writers like suggestions and and sometimes he'll just question me like what does this mean and why have you said this and then it will kind of really draw out of me like what I'm really trying to say and 
um, we can try and like condense it in a way that's maybe easier to um, fit into a certain rhythm that, that we're trying to make it work and things like that. So yeah, we do, we do kind of chisel away at things to make them into the, the right shape for sure. So, so you have like three, four siblings, one from your father's first marriage and then like three yeah. from the second one? Like um, two, two, so two from like my mom and then my older brother Malcolm from my dad's first wife. And then I had my other brother, Joe, who passed away when I was 15. So yes, Malcolm's a bass player, right? Doesn't he play with that group that tours us cream music called something like yeah, music yeah. cream or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Any of your other uh, brothers and sisters musical like you? Um, so my my sister Kyla, she's a filmmaker. Um, she yeah, she makes amazing films, but she is also musical. Um, she plays piano and she sings, and she did she did perform a song at the tribute concert, which was really beautiful. And that was a big deal for her. Um, she's quite shy and I know it took a lot for her to get up and do that, but she really wanted to do it for my dad. And she did a beautiful, um, beautiful performance and it was, it was amazing. And um, I think, yeah, Weird of Hermiston, she performed on piano and vocal with a, with a string quartet, which was really, really gorgeous. And then my brother, Corin is um, a drummer, um, but not professionally. Like you know, but he's and a DJ as well. So yeah, he's he's all, everyone. I think everyone's musical, but I'm. I seem to be, um, yeah. For my mum's my mum's kind of set of us, I'm the only one that's like pursuing it as a as a profession. Have you, Have you played in the stage yet? I haven't. I've recorded in New York. Um, and I've worked a couple of times. I used to work for a company called Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. I don't know if you've heard of it. They made an appearance in The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, that was that was an incredible job. Um, yeah, so I, I did that. Um, where did we do? We did Vegas and we did New York at the Gibson Studios. And that was a big experience. But yeah, I haven't performed in, in the States yet, which I would love to do. I don't what know how that is right now. <laughs> Pardon? Pardon? I, I talked over you. What did you just say? The last part? Um, I would love to have that opportunity, but I just don't know how possible that is right now, but hopefully in the future. Yeah. No. I just want to insert my own one little comment because of the songs I've listened to. I think one of the most poignant, evocative song titles I've ever heard in the song along with it, but Kiss Your Scars. Yeah, I like that too. Like you want to lyrics. talk about the, I mean, it's so, I don't know. The title just gives me chills. Because nice. it, it, it it's interesting. It's interesting that you picked that song out. So I wrote and recorded that song about eight years ago, and totally forgot about it. Like, just didn't even know it existed anymore. Didn't even have a copy. And then the producer randomly hit me up last year and was like, "I'm just coming back to some old songs, and I found this this great song, and can I put it out?" And I was like yeah sure and he sent it to me and I'm like do you need me to redo the vocals and he's like no I think they're fine I'm just going to do a new mix and I was like okay cool and then yeah he released it and I love that song it's such a nice song cause I'm here for you
yeah, that song, Kiss Your Scars, I think it was just really, I was trying to convey when you love somebody that feels like they're broken or they're not good enough and it's like just really loving all of that person and really um, accepting all of who that person is, even even the scars and the, the difficult mm. part. That's what that yeah, song is. Yeah, in three words, it says so much. Well, anyway, that's my... Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I love your lyrics, yeah. I, I... And, and your voice is very, I, the only word I could come up with, celestial, I don't know if any, you know, I just, your voice is just very, uh, has that quality to it. It's sensual, yeah, ethereal. Yeah. I love those descriptions. Yeah, that's that's um, a compliment for sure. Thank you so much. Do you want to talk about your, you have these uh, uh, Aruba Red Treasured and then Bespoke Creations. Do you want to say anything about that part okay. of your life? Yeah, sure. Aruba Red Treasured is um, like a sustainable, slow fashion store, which um, I created with my friend who's an ethical stylist, Ashlyn Gibson. And um, she came up with this concept of like an alternative to traditional band merchandise. So rather than just kind of mass producing cheap t-shirts and plastic pens and whatever else we normally do, like we really wanted to come up with really small run of like really lovely items that people could treasure forever. So yeah, Aruba treasured. So we have like, um, like sustainable brands, like local designers um, that we collaborate with. And I have like non-toxic essential oil candles and we're having um, natural incense made at the moment with like, with lyrics from my songs, like within the, the artwork and things like that. And um, each kind of scent will go with a different song and the different lyrics. So yeah, that's really nice. And Bespoke Creations, I put that in the store. Um, if people want, like personalized poetry created for a special occasion like if they wanted something for a birthday or you mm. know something to mark a special moment in their lives then i'm able to write meditations for people or or poetry um and i really love to create personalized things around a theme i really love to do that so that's something that i i offer so that's that that's online right so that's spoke creation yeah, that's arubaredtreasured.com oh uh-huh yeah, and you can also link there from my my regular website, aruberedmusic.com. You can just go to store, I think it is, and then it will take you to the treasured page, yeah. Meeks, do you have any other questions? I have a question, but it's kind of off the track. Yeah. But... What, you have a question that's off track? Yeah, just sort of off. Not well, the, go ahead. It's not a good segue. So like, um, <laughs> <laughs> so like reading up on all your stuff, what is uh, radical birth keeping? with birth magical what does that mean okay so that's the whole other side of what i'm doing <laughs> doing a lot so, yeah so i gave birth to my little boy at home i decided not to go to the hospital and it was a really incredible experience and um the more i kind of witness and experience i realized that hospitals are a huge blessing when we need them but birth isn't necessarily a medical event and we don't kind of need to go there in the first instance and if birth is allowed to unfold naturally in all likelihood everything will be fine and a birth keeper is somebody who really protects that space of the birthing mother and the family and to, to kind of really allow the physiological and natural hormonal unfolding of birth to unfold which is just very very difficult to do in 
a strange environment because we're mammals and when there's bright lights and strangers our bodies won't open they're going to stay closed so it's just it, yeah my role as a birth keeper is I I hold space for women and I protect the traditional um teachings of what birth can be and yeah I walk with women through their through their pregnancies and offer them support during pregnancy during birth and then also postnatally with breastfeeding and with looking after their newborns and things like that so that's yeah really something that I feel really really passionate about and it really it really weaves into my some of the topics that I sing about within my music and um one of my, my most recent single wild woman was selected as the free birth society theme theme tune for their podcast which proud of because I love their stories they just share they have a podcast which has had over a million downloads and they just share stories of women telling their own stories of birthing outside of the system and just doing it like whether it's like in a teepee or in a field or in a garden or just at home and it's just like very um empowering and magical stories of what birth can be like separated from this kind of dramatic Hollywood portrayal of it if that makes sense so mm. yeah are you allowed to take a spinal what's it uh you know like, sure. yeah but yeah <laughs> no that, I don't so I'm not involved in anything medical so when you're at home you have to really just be committed to um there's no numbing shots or none, yeah, you just <laughs> it. it can be like a really psychedelic experience if we allow ourselves to submit to it and you can really have like mm. a wild trip when you're giving birth if you can really surrender to what we think of as pain it can be it can end up really being quite I know transcend it and it can be incredible yeah my wife tried, a lot okay. of women try to do it without any you know and my my wife tried that too and then you know the last yeah. moment it got horribly uh painful because she had to have yeah. pitocin you know yeah that hurried the birth along that's and, the thing if, if yeah if you have if you have pitocin which I know is happening more regularly in the UK and in the States, it happens a lot. Like the Pitocin contractions are so intense that it would be almost impossible for a woman to withstand that without some kind of um, pain relief. But if things are allowed to just happen more slowly, then yeah. it's not so, it's still very intense, but it's not so um, un, unachievable, you know, if you're left right. alone. Yeah. Are, are the... I think any of us, if we're in the hospital environment and we're struggling and we're getting to like some of you know the, the moment where we don't think we can carry on if there's somebody there that's offering you something that's just going to make it all go away you're gonna you're gonna take it <laughs> you know? are the fathers allowed in the room during your oh, yeah. yeah of course yeah okay whatever the family wants it's it's mainly about um putting the mother in she's like she's at the the pinnacle of the the hierarchy in that in that sure. situation rather than the hospital system or the doctor it's like the woman is at the top and then everybody kind of caters to what she needs to get through the experience in the most positive way possible probably would have helped uh, our, i mean i have a wonderful son but uh my wife's words to me were get the f out of the room <laughs> so <laughs> didn't i didn't 
get to treasure I think, the experience. Yeah, I guess whatever the whatever they want at the time needs to, yeah. everyone's different and everyone has their own wishes and and um, yeah. handling it yeah but yeah, yeah birth magical is, is the name that I use for birth magical, okay. my birth offerings yeah and I create guided meditations for pregnant women and, and things like that and that can all be found at birthmagical.com and on Instagram as well. But so why don't you plug, because um, we're going to end soon, right, Megs? Yeah. Uh, where people can find your music. Sure. So I'm on all the platforms like, you know, Spotify and Apple Music. You can just type in Aruba Red. So Aruba like the island and red like the color. You can head to my website, arubaredmusic.com and that will link you to everything. And then you can also come and find um physical cds on Bandcamp and on my website and i'm just on all the social media platforms if you type in aruba Red, you will you will find me music yeah. with a message well it's it's been great mm. hearing about everything <laughs> yeah phenomenal thank talent you thank, thank yeah. you thank you for sharing no, I appreciate all your kind words and it makes me happy that you found my little tribute to my dad because yeah, Ronell, my my collaborator, he suggested that we record that after my dad passed away. Mm. That's the first thing I recorded since, yeah, after he mm. that I had filmed. Yeah, and it was it was his idea, and it was just really really nice. Yeah, to yeah, and a great man. Awesome, the best covers I've ever heard. Thank great you. rendition. Yeah, and your dad's was great, and so was yours. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you Right. I'm glad that Facebook guided you to that. Yeah, it guided me. Yes, it's amazing Facebook in that way. <laughs> no, it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. 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 B